Coming up, our careers canceled and then the recent bank bailouts. Well, does that apply to you and how? We'll break all of it down. And, you know, I'm going to coach you up. Let's do it. Helping you get unstuck so you can make more money and make more meaning. Live the life that you want, right? Total freedom. That you have control of your life and you do have control of it, but I want to help you have more control. Uh, And uh, so that's what we talk about every day on the show. And so let's talk about this because this is a mindset change we got to look at today. Our career is canceled. I'm going to say yes. Now, canceled is like it's become the the new thing that you are a jerk. You are a subhuman, right? <laughs> so we're going to play off of that a little bit, right? And and I, I think careers have been canceled. I think, I think as we see younger generations, millennials, certainly, Gen Z, certainly, my generation, which is above those two generations, the Xers, I think it began with us. And here's the thought. I think the word career initially applied to work was a way of describing, well, I am a welder. I am an accountant. I am an engineer. I am fill in the blank. Okay. So what career are you going to choose? And as I talk to young people, and by the way, we have a great curriculum out now, um, uh, foundations in career discovery, uh, that word is still being used, and I'm not here to replace the word. But what I what I do want you to to understand is that the way we ought to use that word and the way you ought to think about that word is less that it is attached to a certain industry or a certain specific job, and it really should be just used as it's a description for a body of work. It, it's it should just be. I look at where I am so far. This is my history, my work history. This is what I want my work future to look like. And so we stop locking ourselves into, right, this idea of I'm choosing this one lane and only this one lane. So if I were going to replace the word career, I would replace it with the word contribution. So instead of saying, what do you want your career to be? I would say, what do you want your contribution to be? And here's why I think that's important and why I'm walking us through this mental exercise is because I do want to shake the way you see yourself as a professional. If the question becomes, what do I want my contribution to be? And we're talking about a professional context here. What do I want my contribution to be? It opens up the mind. So, so many people take my get clear assessment. Okay, And they get their detailed report. Tells them what they're really good at doing, focusing on their talents and strengths. Tells them what kind of work they look forward to and and get involved in to where they lose track of time. Passion. And then it tells them what gets them out of bed in the morning. What, What excites them about their work. It motivates them naturally. That's mission. So they get this report and all of a sudden they go, okay, can I get my purpose statement? And now I go, okay, what what career do I choose? Because that's how you've been wired. The word career has been tied to an industry, a one track. But if, if we begin to look at something like a purpose statement that you get from the Get Clear assessment and we begin to say, wait a second, what do I want my contribution to be? 
I want to do this type of work to deliver this kind of result to help these people solve this problem with this solution. That should be the mindset about how you view your work. Because now all of a sudden it's very personal, which means it's very specific, which then means it's easier to identify. This is the mindset. That's why we ought to cancel the way we talk about careers. We ought to just say, you know what? What contribution do you want to make? Now, if you start thinking about that, you start with the end in mind. Well, I would like to help these people solve this problem, meet this desire, providing these type of solutions. I want to make this kind of money. I want to be able to save this kind of money. I want to be able to live here. This is how I want to work. We've got to start looking way out and teaching young people how to do this instead of looking at the immediate. Because when you look at the base of a mountain, you never have perspective of what it's going to take to get to the top of the mountain. If all you're doing is looking at down here, down here, down here, you have really no idea which direction you want to go. But that's what we're essentially doing. We're telling young people, hey, you can be successful if you just stare at the bottom of the mountain and find a way just to get somewhere on the bottom of the mountain and the rest of it, well, it'll take care of itself. And somehow you'll find your way to the top of the mountain. That's what the entire educational system is about. Getting you a certification that you can say, I am now a decent human being who can do good work. Please give me a job now. (laughs) Think about that exchange. 12 years of, of, of education. Then we're going to tack four more onto it, maybe two more or four more on top of that. So the possibility is you could be looking at 20 years of education, all for the opportunity to go, here's my little piece of paper, my resume. Can I get paid to do something for you? That's what a job is. A contribution is so much bigger than that. Hey, how are you wired? What are you really good at doing? What do you enjoy doing? What motivates you? What from your environment and experience make you the way you are? What's unique about you? What mark do you want to make? What do you want your life to look like in 30 to 40 years? All of those questions I just laid out lead to the idea of a contribution. So instead of looking at the word, well, I got to choose a career. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty good with tools. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll, uh, well, I'll go smack nails with a hammer. Or, you know, hey, I'm, I'm really good with math. I guess I should go get a job attached to math. Okay, but we've just taken out the heart piece. All we're looking is talent only. We've taken out. What do you want your life to look like? The Declaration of Independence is a political document, yes. But the first sentence, the first couple of sentences sum it up uh, sum up the human desire that we all have, and it is to be free. To live the life we want. 
Thomas Jefferson penned it this way, that the order was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Meaning that life is valuable, right? Liberty is how we live the life, and the pursuit of happiness is how we live it. Right? It's what we and so we've got to understand that you've been thinking in a controlled systemic way about your work. Stop thinking about your career. Think about the contribution you want to make. It'll set you free. Coming up next, bank bailouts and what it means for you. We're helping you get unstuck. We're helping you choose the life that you want and then helping you get there, avoiding all of the traps along the way. And if you step in the traps, guess what? We're here to give you a hand up and say, hey, we've stepped in them as well. It's going to be all right. Hey, if you're enjoying the show on YouTube, would you help us continue to grow by liking your uh, video selections as you're watching. And if you're listening via podcast, would you give us a five-star review uh, after following us? That all helps us grow. Okay, we have a new audience all the time. Uh, Alex is telling me we got new people all the time. And so uh, I just want to have a a 20-second heart-to-heart. If you are out there and you're sick and tired of feeling overworked and overpaid, you're really frustrated and hurt, because you're not getting the promotion that you want. You know there's something more. you got some ideas, but you can't quite lock in that idea, and you don't know where to start, and you just have no excitement in your work. It feels like you're stuck, but you're not stuck. So if you're afraid to make a change, or you've got some imposter syndrome going on, or just straight confusion, I've got an event called Breakthrough. And this event is for you. If you got a family or a friend that's feeling that thing as well, uh, those emotions, this event is for you. You're going to leave energized to take control of your future so you're making more money and more impact. You get my career assessment with your ticket. We're doing live Q&A, so kind of the Ken Coleman show live. And uh, all of the event dates uh, and cities are at kencoleman.com slash events, kencoleman.com slash events. Kansas City coming up April 20th. May 16th, Chicago, Illinois. May 18th, Atlanta. May 23, Dallas, Texas. KenColeman.com slash events. It's going to be a great night with a lot of people there who are hungry to make change. All right. The Fed and now foreign banks are colluding to push more cash into the system. What does that mean for you? Well, there's a deeper issue here. Why are the power brokers so scared of failure? Hmm. I'll pay that one off in just a minute, but first, what's going on? The U.S. Federal Reserve and several other major central banks around the world announced a coordinated effort on Sunday night to boost the flow of U.S. dollars. This is from CNN. Uh, And they are boosting the flow of U.S. dollars through the global financial system with the aim, listen closely, Why are they doing this? To keep credit flowing 
to households and businesses. It's about debt, folks. That's the game. There's a hint. Why do global financial leaders and politicians want to keep propping up a flawed financial system? Because they get paid to. That's why. Janet Yellen, God bless Janet. She is our U.S. Treasury Secretary. She said if banks are under stress, they might be reluctant to lend money. She said this in a testimony to the Senate Finance Committee. We could see credit become more expensive and less available. See, the excuse for pumping liquid cash into the global financial system is stability. We have to preserve financial stability. We don't want market tension. We can't let it fail. Okay, why? Okay, let's just have a conversation. How would this affect everything in our global economy, the American economy, and affect you? I'm going to explain. And I don't think it's as bad as they make it out to be. You know who it would be bad for if the system had a large chunk of failure? and had to reset in some ways, using the words of Janet Yellen, if the banks are under stress and they fail, we're not going to have as much credit, and it's going to be more expensive, and then what are we going to do? Clutching her pearls. I'll tell you, if credit were less available, we'd have less debt. If we had less debt, we'd have less stress. If we had less stress, you see where this keeps going? Everybody is feeling the stress of debt. I say let the banks fail. I say let the system crash. It's all built on debt. Banks Credit card companies, they want to give you as much access as possible to debt because that's how they make the big bucks. But our system, the American system, is buckling under the weight of debt. U.S. debt, all-time high. Trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. And right now in Washington, D.C., President Biden and Kevin McCarthy, that leader of the House, Speaker of the House, are in a stalemate. They're sending letters back and forth to each other like it's 1776. They're posturing all over the deal that they need to make. Listen, to lift the federal government's debt limit and keep the system running. All right, now. That's where we stand. Now, let's just do some common sense, shall we? Let's just use a car as our metaphor today. Let's say that you got a car 
with over 200,000 miles on it. And you got one window duct taped. The car's leaking oil so much, you could charge for the oil on that you could hand out to somebody else. It's all over the road. It's breaking down every other week. You keep putting money into it just to keep it alive. How much longer do you want to keep doing this? What would be your appetite for keeping that car alive? Joe, you're the mechanic of the group. There's a law of diminishing returns on an old piece of crap. I mean, there's there's a case to be made. Let's keep the hoopty alive for a while. But after a point where it becomes more expensive than sacrificing and saving to get something else, then it's time to say, let's take the old girl to the junkyard. Right you are, Ken. And, and so what's going on is, is our federal government and the debt and the banking system, we're just propping it up. Banks are being irresponsible. The federal government passed out PPP loans and then forgave them. And then you, you can't, you don't have to look too far to see how many billions of dollars of government aid in COVID were abused, stolen, completely untrackable, all this liquid into the economy gives people who are drunken more money to spend on the alcohol. Credit card debt, all-time high. Student loan debt, all-time high. Debt, 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 debt. Federal government raising the debt ceiling. Why are our American political and banking leaders and financial leaders so scared of letting the system fail? Two reasons. Number one, and first and foremost, is they're making a killing on it. They're laughing all the way to the doorstep of Congress to say, please bail us out. The other reason is they know it's a game. They know it's a scam. They don't want to go down. They want to keep it alive until they can cash out and head to Costa Rica, baby, where you can't find me anymore. That's what's going on. And it's all on the backs of the American citizen, the American consumer, who's been sold the lie that debt is the best way to get what you want in life. They don't want it to fail. I'm telling you, it should fail. It needs to fail. It's time for a reset. It's time for some embarrassment. Let the old car die. Let's get a new one. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show, where we help you break free from a system that says, oh, you just got to do an okay job. You just got to slog your way through it. You know, get a little debt along the way. Yeah, you know, look, it's, you know, it's just something you got to do. You can drink your face off on Friday. That'll be great. You know, by the way, it occurs to me, you know why John Wick movies are so popular? It, this is this is I know you're I know you're going uh, I know you're going what what's he talking about and uh, oh is that okay yeah 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 got it. sorry Alex is talking to me about something he's reminding me to do my job I'm gonna get to it but but I, I but I want to uh, 
I want to I want to walk through why John Wick is so popular. Some of you are thinking, Ken, stay in your lane. Uh, stop talking about cinematography. I'm not talking about the cinematography. John Wick is so popular because so many people want to do that to their boss and their coworkers. That's what's going on. I, it occurs to me, like, they want to watch John Wick just beat the stuffing out of somebody. They want to watch him blow bad guys up, and I think it's therapeutic for a lot of people. Think about it. This movie has no dialogue at all, little to no plot line, but man, does John Wick blow some you-know-what up, right? I just think there's so much tension. We were, in a, we were in a production meeting today talking about shows. And, 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 and again, over 50% of American workers are planning to leave their job. I think a lot of people are frustrated. I think they're frustrated with horrible leaders. God bless them. I'm, I, and I am not advocating violence. Everybody relax. But that's why people like John Wick movies. All right. Now it's our Ask Ken segment. Going to get to some of your questions. You can send your question in via Instagram, uh, at Ken Coleman. And you can email us, ask at KenColeman.com. You can also put your question in the comment section of YouTube. Victor says, Ken, I'm going to be changing jobs in a month. And I'm not sure when to put in my notice at my current employer. I plan to give a three-week notice for a little extra professional courtesy. But an incident yesterday has me reconsidering. Uh, One of my coworkers put a four-week notice in yesterday and was fired on the spot, berated and told to pack up her things and get out. (laughs) Of course. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. This is, again, really immature, unhealthy leaders. By the way, if someone gives notice, you can you fire them? Like, I love that this is the response. Um, hey, yeah, um, Bob, um, it's been a thing. And uh, here's my uh, two-week notice, uh, but I decided to give you four weeks. And Bob goes, you're fired. Uh, Bob, I just quit. You can't fire me. (laughs) Am I right, guys? Can you fire somebody who quit? I don't think you can. It's like breaking up with someone. They go, well, uh, actually, I'm breaking up with you. Oh, no, no, no. I broke up with you. this This is the immaturity we're talking about. So Victor's asking me, is giving shorter notice due to concern of being fired on the spot going to haunt me, or is it morally wrong? Victor, you already saw how this boss is going to treat you. What makes you think it's going to be any different? Give 10 days notice. Give a day's notice. Nobody cares. By the way, they can't fire you. You gave notice. Document it all. All right. Stephanie says, Ken, I'm up for an internal promotion within the next few weeks. However, the role is being posted and there's going to be an interview process. There's a lot of advice for new job interviews, but what about internal job interviews? I love this question, Stephanie. Treat it like it's an external job. You're inside the building. That is an advantage in that they know you, they know about you. Now, from there, you still got to win the job. So you need to make your case. You need to be prepared just like you were would if you were coming in from the outside. You got to treat the job like it is outside. Go, if I want this job, I've got to win this job. How would I win the job? I have a how to win the interview guide. It's free at KenColeman.com. And it prepares you for the type of questions that you will be asked 
and it prepares you to ask questions. And I will say this very quickly and move on. It's my belief that the questions you ask folks in the interview process is what separates you and what confirms that you want the job. Remember, this is as much about you deciding if you want it, not just convincing them. So asking good questions reveals what you need to know. And then secondly, makes you look prepared. So ask good questions. Paul writes in, how do I respectfully leave a small company I loved to pursue a career in a field I'm passionate about? Oh, I'd love to. How do I respectfully leave a small company? Paul, I would go, how would you want someone to leave you? What does respectful look like for you if someone was doing it to you? If someone was leaving you, what does respectful look like? Rinse and repeat. Kelly writes, and I have some, I've had some movement on my resume from different jobs because of unethical leadership and toxic situations. I'm worried this is going to affect my future career opportunities. When is too much movement bad? Um, this is not black and white. It's very subjective as to how someone would look at this. Um, but certainly, like, there's no one answer. But if you've moved jobs more than once in a year, it's going to raise an eyebrow. If you do it more than, uh, I mean, more than twice a year, you know, uh, once, okay, twice, eyebrows, eyebrows raise three. Whoa, hello. So, you know, You've got to control the narrative to the best of your ability, and you do that with personal relationships that introduce you and get you outside of the normal uh, hiring process. You know, this works for somebody who's had trouble in the past, uh, whether it be legal trouble, ethical trouble, been let go. You can't just rely on your resume and your cover letter when that's happened to you because if somebody digs into your resources, your work history, and they start asking questions, you may never get a chance to answer those. Because most of the time when someone raises an eyebrow, let me tell you what most leaders do. They go, this is too much effort for me. Let me find someone who's easier to hire. That's the sad reality. So how you get around that is what I write about in the proximity principle. You have got to find a personal connection to where your resume, your candidacy, your past, your present, your future is all properly delivered in context. And you get around the artificial intelligence software and not having any connection to the hiring manager. That's how you overcome spotty things in your past. Uh, Bryce writes in, uh, I'm 22 year old. I am a 22 year old college student going into economics. I am currently a junior looking to graduate in three semesters. Wow, this kid's a go getter. How can I land a career in something I'm passionate about after I get my degree? Well, I, how am I supposed to answer that? I've got a book called From Paycheck to Purpose uh, that will walk you through the seven stages. But you got to, I'll, I'll run you through it really quick. You have to get clear on what you want to do, why you want to do it, where you can do it how you can do it. I call that get clear stage one. Then you got to get qualified to do it. That's skill set and experience. You may have to start really low on the ladder, young man. 
I need to get connected so that I get that initial opportunity after being qualified and I get other opportunities. It's about connections, connections, connections. That's how we get opportunities. I got to take the chance. I got to step on the ladder. That's getting started. Then it moves to I work my way up by doing a great job. I don't expect a promotion. I earn a promotion. That's getting promoted, stage five. Eventually, I'm going to step into what's called the dream job, but not because it's a unicorn with a uh, you know a rainbow, but because I'm spending most of my day using what I do best to do what I love to produce results that matter to me. And I'm going to do that, keep doing that, keep expanding, repeating that process. And I realize that one day I'm going to work to just give my best away. It's no longer about the pay. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.